This is a small disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Unfortunately, the microphone we were using had a very unfortunate static and pop um, throughout the episode. If this makes the episode unlistenable for you, we absolutely understand. And we will see you next week in episode five. We finally have uh, moved on to a better microphone. Um, But for the purposes of episode four, we are stuck with the recordings as they are. So we apologize in advance that our excitement was misplaced. So enjoy. Are we keeping the same characters for this chapter? Am I still Diggory and you're still Polly? I mean, we could mix it up. You could be Polly today if you wanted. Yes. (laughs) Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which Chris, uh, often referred to as Diggory here. Hi. Hi. Uh, Chris here, and I, my name is Kristen, uh, we discuss the Chronicles of Narnia books, uh, chapter by chapter. In the wrong order. To clarify, yes. we are doing the books in the wrong order. And That's what we I'm told. have started with the magician's nephew. And if you're starting joining us now, you're doing it wrong as well, because this is chapter four. Let's, uh... Let's jump right in. So today we're talking about chapter four of The Magician's Nephew, titled... The Bell and the Hammer. Something like that. Well, it, that's exactly it's exactly that, in fact. Oh. Uh. <laughs> You're doing that without looking at the book? You've got some kind of confidence in there. I, I do have quite a bit of confidence. Uh, so let's, let's jump in. Uh, we left off last time with The Wood Between Worlds was Chapter 3. Yes. Uh, the uh, Polly, and, Polly and Diggory left The Wood Between Worlds, jumped through a portal into somewhere. We don't know where yet. Yep. Uh, and that's where we're at. Why don't okay. I go ahead and give my five-sentence summary? Yep, this is a thing we do. We give sentence summaries of these chapters. Uh, if you haven't joined us before, we go through and pick out sentences that we enjoy and think summarize the chapter as a whole and read them in no particular order. Boring, repeated information. All right. So here are my five sentences for chapter four, The Bell and the Hammer. The silence of the wood had been rich and warm. You could almost hear the trees growing and full of life. This was a dead, cold, empty silence. They stood still and listened, but all they could hear was the thump, thump of their own hearts. They went out of that courtyard into another doorway and up a great flight of steps and through vast rooms that opened out of one another till you were dizzy with the mere size of the place. They must have been magnificent places when people were still living there. And both thought it was, but they had never been more mistaken in their lives. Interesting. Okay, you, I feel like you cut a couple sentences together real close there at the end. No, but, no, no. no. Oh. The, that's the actual sentence. Oh, okay. I mean, mm. I, I don't do my sentences in yeah. order through the chapter. Yeah. So yeah. I started with sentences at the beginning. I took one from kind of the middle. I mean, these are all in order. Yeah. No, it's just, they're very good. You picked very, uh, I don't want to say grandiose 
but uh, very descriptive sentences. Well, this very... is a very descriptive chapter. It's kind of hard to avoid. Very much is. Um, so let's go to, to you, Diggory. Uh, my sentences are very much shorter. I was trying to be short and punchy. Sounds about right. Wow. And here we go. Starting with sentence one. What a queer place. But it was a different kind of quietness. I can hardly describe the clothes. Shan't we? I'm not so sure. There. I hope you're satisfied now. Okay. Now, I'm curious what yours tells about what happened. Because yours is just talking about how odd the place is. Which is what I got from it. Is this is this is an odd place, and that's where we opened. What a queer place! Um, it was a different kind of quietness. As I think is a very interesting, a very interesting sentence. You picked one either right before or right after that, where you talked about it, the uh, the quietness of the wood between worlds, and uh, how how different that was, and it was warm and inviting. I don't know, I, pay, I picked out a, a series of really brief scenes, I feel like. This, okay. It's still images. And also, shan't we, I'm not so sure, is mainly because I, I love the contraction shan't. And, it's, <laughs> and it, it was fun. Just because it's half of the word shanty? Yep. And, you like that word, too. And you'll get, and you'll, and you'll get some more once I rearrange my sentences to, to tell another story. Some but more we'll words to, that you like? But we'll, well, yes, that too, but we'll get there. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, let's talk about where where we open to in this chapter. We don't know where we are, do we? No. Uh, the two kids, Polly and Diggory, um, we have put on our outgoing rings from the wood between the world and jumped into a random pool for chosen for no discernible reason, just jumped in. And this is where we find ourselves in this lifeless, dead place with magnificent, amazing ruins of buildings everywhere. I loved the expression that the light was tired light. Yeah. That the light itself was weary of shining and... I, I don't know, I just really, really liked that image of just, there was no spiders, there was no bugs, there was no plants, there was there was just the dead branches of plants that had probably helped tear down the, the columns that were yeah. themselves fallen down. Um, mm-hmm. The sky was too dark for it to be as bright as it was. Yeah, we never found out where the light was coming from. Yeah. It was just random red dim light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's what I thought was no interesting at first is that they I, I did not expect them to go to a place quite like what they went to. I'm not sure what kind of world I was expecting. Well, I, I, that's not entirely true. Uh, I did have an idea because when we finished the Wood Between Worlds, and as a reminder, I've never read this book before. We talked about where they were going. And you said something to the accord of, uh, they're going somewhere before the creation of Narnia. I mean... Which is not something we know about yet, or something we discussed in the chapter, but they, I'm pretty sure they did not go to Narnia. That's not, I don't think that's where they're at, they are, because it doesn't really seem like... It doesn't seem like Narnia, no, it definitely doesn't. Yeah. So, 
who knows where they're at? They're in a place that's... People it, who've read the book before know. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll find out where they're <laughs> at. But they're in a place that's very dead. Uh, it almost seems like it's been drained of life. Yes, yeah, so this isn't Ardia. Yes. The, the This is... Oh, well, I mean... Spoiler! This is not Narnia. I figured as much. And what else do you have to say about it? Uh, well, I mean, I have a lot of things to say. We're just describing the place for right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did not expect the chapter to go to this place, and I didn't expect the chapter to have this kind of tone. Because yeah. Because I, I feel like the the tone is very much darker than what I would expect, and you know, I don't want to use the the term kids book pejoratively, uh, but in a kids book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... no, no, that's totally fair. I I don't feel like the tone is decidedly dark. I feel like the tone is somber. You know, the kids are in a place where they're trying really hard to be brave. Yeah. Like, what's the point of having magic rings that take you to other places if you're afraid to look around them? I'm not afraid. You're afraid. You're not afraid. I'm not afraid. You're afraid. Yeah. There's a repeated line in this chapter where that Polly is saying, like, something like, you underlined it a few times. Polly is saying something like, it's not okay, or... Right, right, right. I I don't like it. I don't like it. Is the first time that she said it is, I don't like it, said Polly, with something like a shudder. Yes. And she says, I don't like it, and I think she says it a third time in the chapter somewhere. But Polly is very much not keen on exploring this place uh, for most of it. And she's like, let's go, let's leave. And that comes to a kind of a critical moment uh, toward the end of the chapter, which we'll get to. But she's not really cool with it at all. Uh, And Diggory is the one who's like, hell yeah, let's keep going, let's... Yeah, she also is in the, like... I'll go anywhere you go kind of phrase. It's the same thing from before. She's changed her her song, but it's the same music. She Before she was Oof. saying, Oof. it wasn't that good. I thought um, it was good. What she said before was, you know, I'm game if you are. And now she's like, I'll go anywhere you go. Like, I feel like they... And it's egging on. It's like, Oh, you think I'm afraid? Well, why don't you go and I'll come with you. See how how brave you are. Kind of like sass. Yeah, I feel almost like their roles in this relationship keep changing a little bit. Mm. Where they're trading places between being like the brave one and the the one who needs reassurance. Well, and and I I think that that's, I mean, I don't want to use the word codependent, but I feel like that... (laughs) That's part of what a friendship is meant to do is to bring out the best in each other mm-hmm. and to allow each other to have moments of weakness and to have moments of fear where we challenge each other uh-huh. to be better and to be the best. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Uh, and I think that's, that's an interesting dynamic that's, that's shown up here. Um, but so they're going through, they're exploring these ruins, uh, they, they make notes that there's like, there's no bugs, there's no spiders, you know, that you'd normally find in like old abandoned castles and things like that. Yeah. Uh, when the wall is broken down and there's patches of dirt showing through, there's no moss or anything growing on it. Like there is zero life in this place, which I don't know how, how you read it. Like you, you said it has a very somber mood, but I read through it and... Somber might not be the right word. 
And my thought was like the, the descriptions of there being no life imply that something terrible happened here. Mm. See, to me, it seems like this place just stopped having life very suddenly. And in, in much in the way that you would say something terrible happened. But also to me, it's like there was one day when no more gladiatorial battles happened in the the Colosseum. Mm-hmm. Like that that was a day that happened and it yeah. just didn't happen again. Yeah. The crowd didn't come for another fight again. Yeah. But the crowds kept kept coming thousands of years later to see the place. Yeah. There is. And like the the efforts at restoration have prevented the decay. Uh-huh. I don't know. To me the thing that stuck with me the most was that idea of like just the tired light like this place has been empty for so long that even the sun itself or the 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 light source the star that shines on it is dying is you know the longest lived stars as i looked up in the course of this episode Uh are red dwarf stars and so like to me this concept of red light is just like that's tired light if it's what's coming from the sky that is a star that has lived a long time yeah and now we've come to this place where it's just it's tired of continuing to exist now when we get which (laughs) is depressing but it seems more like somber to me uh-huh. Now, when we get into the room with all of these statuish figures, uh-huh. we see that there is a stop where there is a last statue or a last figure, yeah. the woman, and there is room beyond that where there should have been many, many more. Yes. And that tells us that, yes, like you said, something dramatic happened and stopped life from being here. Yes. In a very terrifying, harrowing kind of way. Uh-huh. So I feel like it takes until that moment for me before I I feel, ooh, something happened here. Mm-hmm. There's something happening here. You're getting your music in my literature podcast. There's a man with a gun over there. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Um, so I did interrupt you. I, 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 I want to draw a parallel here uh, to another book. <sighs> we never do that. It's not House of Leaves this time. What? I know. It's crazy. Unacceptable. No other books uh, are allowed in this <laughs> podcast. I want to draw a Intertextual para- commentary only. I want to draw <laughs> a parallel because I've, I've, I've tried to make you read uh, The Gunslinger. I've read The Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Dark Tower series. Yeah. I'm just having a very slow start. You're having a very slow start, yeah. But yeah, I've read The Gunslinger. Um, Yeah, and I was going to draw a parallel there uh, because The Gunslinger, if you've never read it, starts out in a world that is very much dying. Yes, it's it's, a a a Stephen King book. Yeah, it's a world that's tired and and to Mm. use the same kind of parlance. And I feel like you had a very different reaction to that world than you do to this one. Where you well, found... Well, because that one still has people living in it. Yeah. And people struggling in it. And people 
who are just waiting for the end. This one, everything's gone. Uh-huh. This is like having having been to ruins in like I've been to Petra, mm-hmm. and Petra is absolutely incredible to me because you're walking through this area where there was life and there's no life now. Like there's tourists, there's people like tourists aren't life. <laughs> there are people <laughs> passing through to see things. But there's, you know, there and there are people who still live in Petra to some extent who the government is trying to relocate and has, I, I mean, it's been 10 years since I went, so I don't, I have not kept up with the political situation You're not there subscribed to the Petra newsletter. No, I'm not. But at, at the time when I was there, it was a big, big deal that there were, the government was trying to remove the people who were still living there. Uh-huh. But, um... You know, you walk into the city of Petra and the first building, the first scene, the first thing that you see is the treasury. And that's the the the, 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 the facade or the building that is, everyone knows from Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Never heard of it. Yeah? You don't know her? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so within that, that is just the first thing that you see. And when I was there, they were excavating and finding out that there was actually a lower floor below it that they didn't know about before. So the whole thing was fenced off so that you couldn't get up close to it because they were actively working on underground areas under the front of it. And just the idea that they were discovering something there and being able to look through the fence down into like an underground section also like within petra the rock changes color throughout the time of day by the way that the sun is hitting it and the light that's hitting it Mm -hmm. and so there are times of day where every rock surface is just this like cascade of pinks and reds yeah and so you miss petra a lot i would go back I would absolutely go back if I was given the opportunity in in a snap of the fingers. I would just be like, nope, decision's made. Whoa there, Thanos. <laughs> and I'm going to be looking for a new co-host. <laughs> Topical references. Anyway. All right. So, but this kind of tired red light to me is the kind of light that was reflected off the walls in Petra. Like, it is just, it's old. And it's old to the point where, like, there are memories here and there's history here, mm-hmm. but there isn't life here. Mm-hmm. And to, I, I don't know, I don't find it to be ghostly. Okay. I find it to be, like, inspiring. Like, it's, it is awe-inspiring to me. I, f- I find it interesting that we have the very different reactions to the descriptions of this place. So the descriptions of this place absolutely put you off. Like, you read the chapter before me as we shared the book. And you basically were just like, what? That was dark. I wasn't expecting that when you handed the book off to me. And I was like, shoot, what do I not remember? Because (laughs) it's been 15 years since I read this book and I don't know what's going on. And I read it and I was just like, this place is so cool. Uh Uh-huh. I want 
the stories I want to know. Interesting. I feel like you responded it to way the way the crew of the Serenity responded to Miranda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To make a, another not quite literary reference. Uh, I'm sure there's a novelization of that movie out there somewhere. It's a graphic novelization. Yeah. But yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, so we've talked a lot about the descriptions of this place. Now let's go into the most interesting thing that they find. The uh, last page. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's only so much we can talk about this dead city that, you know, nobody lives in and nothing's happening in. Yeah, well, I mean, what happened in this chapter, Chris? Uh, they, what happened? They they came into this place, they wandered through some ruins, they were marked on the sites, uh, and they felt unsafe because well, they felt... Of, before what? you get to what happened, though, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you one more time. Uh-huh. This feels like a planet-sized city to me. Because they keep talking about how they're trying to get somewhere to see what kind of country this is. Yes. And it just keeps being building after building. To me, this was like ancient Rome Coruscant. Uh-huh. I get that. Like, it was a planet city. Yeah. Like, I mean, this also... land is just this giant city. And that was the only part where I was just like, yeah, where did everybody go? Yeah. Anyway, I, all right, I, sorry. I get that. I mean, we're also talking about two, like, what, seven, eight-year-old kids. So yeah. they they have a different perspective on the world, and what seems endless to them might not be. But it's described that way. Yeah. Uh, for us. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But we don't know what's outside this city that we're in. Uh, anyway, they felt Tell unsafe. Tell us what happened. They felt unsafe because they saw, or at least Polly did, felt unsafe because she saw this collapsed wall and it's like hey this whole place might be coming down around this and then Diggory is like well lasted this long what are the odds which is my, what my response would be in this situation that's I, I identified with Diggory there um and then they go and find the only room we don't we don't know how long they explore for that's it's, it's kind of glossed over and it's like the there's there's no there's no descriptions of how labyrinthian this place is uh, that can do it justice, and we don't know how long they're there. Yeah. I mean, they could be... I mean, they're clearly there for a short enough amount of time that they haven't, like, gotten hungry or tired. Yeah, but it could be ten minutes, it could be, like, six hours. Yeah. That they're running around these ruins, and then they find something interesting. Yes. They find a building with a door on it. Yep. First description of a door. Which is... which. And not not only is it a door, it is not stone. Which everything else is stone. This is a metal door. Yeah. One and, one that may have once appeared as gold. Yeah. And this is this is no this is notable because they wander through all these ruins. Apparently this is the first door they find. Which would be which would be entirely not entirely accurate, which would be pretty much accurate if they all had wood doors. That those yeah. would have rotted. Yeah. Over time. But there, at the same time, there also would have been evidence of that rot in some way. Maybe yeah. metal hinges. Right. Maybe. So, I don't know. But also, does it need to be mentioned? I mean, we got this far in this book by going through <clears throat> chapter two's title. The, the wrong, wrong door. It's great. Um, and correct. this this tie-in, this once more, 
may be the wrong door. We don't know that yet. What we I did mean, find is I we know that. Uh, <laughs> is I, I I don't know what they find in the room uh, because I I'm a, my jury is still out. Okay. They come in this room. They find a bunch of what are described as maybe wax figures or shapes. They think they're people at first, and then it's implied they're not people. But then they're all wearing these super elaborate uh, robes and crowns, and they look like royalty. And there's a lot of description about what their faces look like. So if these aren't real people, they're they're very elaborately made or carved or whatever they are. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm I'm, not, I'm still not sure on what exactly is in this room. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The books, the the line is, they were like the most wonderful waxworks you ever saw. Yes. Um, and it's just comparing it to like that. But the clothes are all still there. Yes. And they say, like, why haven't these clothes all rotted away long ago? Right. And this line was one that I wanted to include in my sentences. Magic, whispered Diggory. Can't you feel it? I bet this whole room is just stiff with enchantments. I could feel it the moment we came in. Like, if that doesn't sum up this room, I I don't feel like any description of it other than that will. Mm -hmm. This is just a room filled with enchantment and magic. Yes. So does it matter what the figures are? There's magic in this room. There is. Also, and the then we this this room is is very interesting for a number of reasons. So obviously, uh, I guess we can kind of assume that these are all some sort of royalty or depicting some sort of royalty because it talks about they're all wearing crowns and they have all this jewelry and they're wearing these very uh, royal robes that are embroidered and these are well-to-do people that are obviously of some importance. And then it goes to the description of what they look like and they come in and. The first figures they encounter are really nice looking, they say, and they're, you know, attractive and handsome and they they look kind. And the closer you get or the closer you get to the center of the room or the deeper you go into the room, uh, depending on your perspective and what you think the room looks like, uh, the more their faces change. The further you go into the, the hallway. The, the, uh-huh. See, I wasn't gonna mention it. Uh-huh. The further you go into the room, uh, the more uh, kind In, of dire. The, the more intense everything the intense gets. everything starts looking. And then then when you get to the last row of these figures, it says they look like they're in anguish, almost. And I think that's the word used. I, I feel like it's, it's for, the way I read it is, there was nice, kind leaders, and then there was the kind who were strict, where it says, like, these are the kind of people you'd have to mind your P's and Q's around. Yes. Like from a child's perspective, this is someone I don't want to be a child around. I want to be, you know, proper. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. No, sir. And then, and then as they read the faces, um, when they had gone a little further, they found themselves among faces they didn't like. This was about the, around the middle of the room. The faces here looked very strong and proud and happy, but they looked cruel. And yeah. this is kind of the image to me of like paintings of royalty. Uh-huh. Where like I feel like there are there's paintings of royalty who were very cruel leaders. 
but they still have this kind of jovial nature that you know they are doing what makes them happy and that's part of where their cruelty comes from right and then as they move on um they were still cruel and they no longer looked happy they were even despairing faces it says as if the people they belonged to had done dreadful things and also suffered dreadful things. Yes. And that was the part that I was just like, this is a picture of like the line and transition of leadership. Mm-hmm. And now this book was written post-World War II, so you also have to kind of think about that influence on Lewis where yes. he's thinking about these. this is what people look like when they've done horrible things yes like the children who are reading these books for the first time were born during the war yes like they were heavily influenced by parents who were traumatized by this world war happening right and so this this kind of idea of leadership and and authority and rulers means something Mm. and it's this progression Maybe just as time moves on and events happen, but like it moves through the leadership in a very linear, traceable way. Yes. Where they start being by being nice and then they become these, you know, proud, cruel people. Then they become these just cruel people. And then they become these despairing figures. Yes. Who are... So you see a progression of time going from the door inward. I do. And to me, it's like, this is these... To me, it's like walking through a wall of the history, like, like of all of the paintings of all of the kings and queens of this land. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's like figures through history of all of the rulers. Like, it starts with kind, benevolent rulers and moves into rulers who are proud and cruel the kind of people who like will wage war for the pride of their country and Uh the pride of their people or like for the defense of their country and have done great things and then there's just cruel people who have defeated their foes and just just overruled and enslaved their enemies basically and then there become these these rulers who are just despairing because of the terrible things that have happened to them and the terrible things that they've done. Yes. That's that's how it, it the progression moved for me of the faces. Well, it's it's that's interesting because I I had two different interpretations of this scene. One of them was almost the opposite of yours, mm. where you see a progression of time going from the door to the the middle of the room. And the first time I read through it, I looked at this and saw a progression of time going from the center outward. Uh, And my my interpretation of this scene, and I, again, have no idea what happens here. I've never read the book. My interpretation of this scene going in was that whatever happened within this room is frozen in time. And at the center of it, you have this figure who is, you know, the most beautiful woman that Diggory has ever seen or ever will see in his life. According to the chapter. Polly didn't think that she was that yes. great. <laughs> and <laughs> and she, she's there at the center of this room. I, I read that as her being an imposing figure. 
See, uh, I don't think she's at the center of the room. I think that she because they come back to the pedestal at the center. They but, have to go past. But it she is a it. singular figure okay. ahead of all these other other others. Well, she's the last one yeah. in a room that has room for more. Yes, but they they specifically mention that she is set apart from the others, and I believe they mention that she's standing. Is she standing? Yes. And Let I, me check. Double check no, our sources. No, 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 no. It doesn't say that she was standing. Mm-hmm. It says the last figure of all was the most interesting. A woman even more richly dressed than the others, very tall, but every figure in that room was taller than the people of our world. That might be where you're yeah. getting the idea of her standing, but she's. It doesn't say either that she's sitting or standing. It yeah. just says with a with a look of such fierceness and pride that it took your breath away. Yet she was beautiful too. Yes. So she had the look of fierceness and pride. So we have this progression going from the back of the room where people are kind to the front of the room where people are suffering and have made people suffer. And then you have her, and they talk about her as being separate. Well, I mean, she would be separate if she has that kind of look of pride and distinguishment in the middle of a group yes. of anguish. And from a, from a literary standpoint, I, I see that very much as Lewis separating her out. And this is how I read this the first time going through, is that she's separated out. They've gone through this entire world of of death and decay, and there is no life. And you know this is this is after this world has come and gone. And then you find this room of the last remnants of some of something happening, the last remnants of something interesting, you know, going on in this world. And go through it from the door toward the center of the room. And the last thing you find before we get to the titular items of the chapter, the last thing that you find in this room and the last thing that's talked about is this woman. And so I see her as being the figurative center of this death and whatever has happened here. Mm. And she is the center of it. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh-huh. Because, and for me the reasoning is because she's the last seat mm-hmm. occupied mm-hmm. in a room that is clearly got room for more people yes and so stemming off from that sorry i don't want to interrupt no no, no go ahead no i was just gonna say as someone who has read this book before 15 years ago uh-huh. i know exactly who she is yes and so i don't want to influence in any way how you're reading the book yes like i know what like she stands for and what she represents and what she is uh-huh. you know, so and so the way i came in and interpreted the first time was that she's the center of it all and you have this moment that's frozen in time somehow so and to you all of these people were in this yes, room at the same yes. time something happened and, and everyone close to her is in anguish and as you remove yourself from her yes. people return to Some, their kind something, happiness something something happened very quickly almost like a bell ringing like a bell ringing and then time stops for some reason okay and you are capturing this moment and the reactions of the people and the people that are closest to this woman are horrified Mm. and there's this wave going backwards of people reacting to something until you go to the back where they don't notice understood 
Yeah, no, no, no. That's absolutely a very fair reading. I don't remember enough of the chapter to tell you which one of us is right about this or whether it matters. And then I had another interpretation on a revisit that was that was kind of different where I didn't look at it as uh, a moment rippling through time in either direction or some sort of timeline. I thought about it as the people who are in the front and the people that are closest to this woman who I still see as a leader, uh, those are the ones that seem cruel and indifferent. Those are the most important people because they're in the front of the room and they're closest to her. Mm. And the people who are most important in this world are the ones that have caused the most suffering. And that's, that was my second, my second interpretation of this, of this scene. Interesting. And so that is what you are pulling. I, I like that. I like both of your readings, actually. I really like them both. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like they both line up well with what we see coming in. Like, yes, what we've seen. But do they line up well with what's actually going on? Am I way off base here? I, or... Like I said, I don't remember enough. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm closer. Okay. But I genuinely <laughs> don't remember. Like, you may be completely right that this is a single moment frozen in time. To me, the reason that I think that they are basically portraits of the history of all of the rulers is because they're all wearing crowns. Yes. Um, but this may also be a conference of all of the rulers of... This planet. This this land. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to force it into our universe because Uncle Andrew made it clear that uh-huh. this may be outside of our universe, our, our galaxy. It may be a different world and not necessarily a planet so so then we get to the titular items of the chapter um let's talk about the poem Uh, well before that (laughs) i want to mention the bell and the hammer are the titular items of this chapter yes and yet the kids walk right past them almost without noticing them completely without acknowledging them and then they're like hey we should go back and look at that table well, I'd say, I mean, in this room of a bunch of frozen people that look like royalty, those are the least interesting things in the room. Yeah, but I would but. still walk up to the table before studying all of the people. Like, uh-huh. if you get to a table in the middle of the room, I'd be like, hmm, that's a little interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but go ahead. Um, and then we get to the, uh, we go back and we find this table in the middle of the room. There's a little bell and there's a little hammer uh, and there's a palm that they are able to interpret this is their first you know concrete evidence of some sort of in sorcery going on yeah uh because there's a set of glyphs and they stare at him long enough and then all of a sudden they understand what's being said yes and why don't we read the poem i read. feel like that's important to read that directly out of the book all right so reading the poem directly out of the book we have four lines Mm-hmm. And these four lines are, Make your choice, adventurous stranger. Strike the bell and bide the danger. Or wonder till it drives you mad what would have followed if you had. And that completely changes the tone of everything that's going on here. Okay. Because then you have this inscription that is very deliberately put in the center of this room. And this scene, as it exists, was meant for someone to find it. Yes. So I think that that's fair. This is not something that happened accidentally. This is something that was clearly I mean set up deliberately. What you're saying is that like there is a poem, there's a riddle yeah. 
left here. It's not even a riddle. It's a challenge. Right. I like the fact that I like the fact that Polly is just like, I mean, there's no reason for anyone to go crazy thinking about this. And Diggory's like, there's magic here. It will drive me insane. Again, it I, will. Again, I identify with Diggory here. And I'm I am. Certain. I. There is. Well, I. I <laughs> appreciate that. What I'm saying is that Diggory is actually thinking about this logically. Whether or not it's going to drive him insane personally, he knows that there's magic in this room. Yes. And he knows that there's an enchantment on this, and he and he is he is assuming that if he walks away, the magic will drive him insane. Yes. Whether or not the the questions about what could have been drive him insane, mm-hmm. the magic itself will make it so that he becomes insane. Uh-huh. So, it's a trap. Yeah. I mean, he has he has a good logic on it. Now, I don't he, the interesting thing I find is the dramatic difference in their responses, in their reactions. Yeah. They, they have a different response to the woman. They have a different response to the challenge of the poem. And they have a different response to this whole place. Polly's just like, I'm not, I'm going to leave. Like, there's nothing, you know, like, she's ready to leave. And then... And then there's this climactic scene of this entire... Uh, I would say in the story so far, not just this chapter, but in the storyline, where we have our first fight... We between, do have our first fight. Between Polly and Diggory. Uh, and they there's a little bit of name calling. Yeah. And there's some there's some back and forth. There's some meanness, which we don't really see from any of them some up until this point. Some nastiness. Some nastiness. Uh, where, where There's some sexism. There's some, some, some sexism on both sides. I wouldn't call a girl like you a woman. Uh-huh. Jeez. And Polly says something like, you're such a man. Yeah. And don't you dare say I'm like such a woman because then you're a copycat. Yeah. And there's some name calling and then it gets physical. Yep. Where, you know, Polly is trying to leave leave and Diggory stops her from leaving, which I'm sure you have things to say about in the the patriarchy. But I mean, like, (laughs) my biggest issue with this chapter is like, not an issue with the chapter, like, but you know you're you're challenging me to go on a rant about the patriarchy. My feelings here are that like this is targeted magic. Uh huh. It is targeted at the man. The like this last leader is such a beautiful woman, the most beautiful woman. Even when even when Diggory is an old man, he still says she's the most beautiful woman he ever saw. And Polly always insisted that there was nothing special about her. That's interesting. So Diggory is ensorcelled. I do believe that he is. Like, I believe that he is very much enchanted. In the same way that Polly's like, yeah, I could walk away from this and not feel anything about, like, regret about not knowing. And Diggory is just overwhelmed with this, like, no, it's going to drive me insane. Mm -hmm. And he is the one who... Like, Polly's like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm gone. And Diggory dives in to stop her from leaving. And not only that, but also to pick up the hammer and strike the bell. Right. Because Diggory's just like, you know what? No. Doing this. Don't care what you think. Yes. And 
he's doing that when it's just because the poem said strike the bell and bide the danger like that is the only suggestion that he's had at all that this bell should be struck and everything about this world has been silence yes when we got here the first thing diggory talked about was you know that it was quiet and that we should be quiet yeah. because we don't want to start essentially a rock avalanche yeah. you know we don't want to trigger anything right he's the one who's saying let's be quiet and it is such a turn where he's just like nope not only am i going to pick up the hammer and strike the bell but i'm going to do it in a violent noisy fashion where i'm grabbing someone else to stop them from leaving in a physical altercation uh-huh. which in and of itself is not a quiet thing and he's going to pick up the hammer and break the silence yeah it's very i mean foreshadowing there for sure uh it's 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 poetic it rhymes uh as george lucas would say but yeah it's it's interesting uh and it just it just seems like you know looking at it that way this this entire place is kind of put together like almost like this whole this whole thing is some sort of trap or it's a test or something mm-hmm. uh but it, it seems very contrived is what i'm trying to say and then they strike the bell and uh it gets diggory over. strikes the bell don't <laughs> holly in this nonsense i would like to be excluded from this narrative <laughs> diggory strikes the bell and it gets real 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 loud Yes, so. and it doesn't, like, hit the bell and resound outwards. It hits the bell, and it builds and builds and builds and becomes louder and louder and louder. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where they couldn't hear each other if they were talking to each other. And part of the ceiling collapses. Yes. And well, we don't know whether it's supposed to or if that was just, you know, an accident. We don't know if that was intended by the magic or if it just happened because of the resonance, resonance of the sound. No. And then we don't know what happens after that because that's basically where the chapter ends. Chapter ends. Yeah. And uh, they see something interesting. Something interesting. Yeah. I'm assuming all these people come back to life or something like that. That's, I don't know. So that's the chapter in a nutshell. Do we have... Any final things to say about it, real quick, before we uh, before we rearrange it and, <laughs> and tell new stories? Tell new stories. Um, no, I I don't feel like I have much else to say because the things that mattered the most to me were these kind of images of the door paralleling the wrong door, uh-huh. the the magic, magic, magic. Like Polly didn't get this big speech about magic from Uncle Andrew. <laughs> Diggory yeah. hasn't reiterated it to her. Yes. So, to Polly, the only I the only way magic has come into her head as an explanation for all of this is if she just was like, "That's magic," but she had this really chill, relaxed time. Like I've always been here by the pools in the in the in the wood between the worlds. Yeah. And it's not until Diggory says, "Magic," like it's a one word sentence that Diggory just kind of exclaims out where Diggory says magic whispered Diggory I could feel it the moment we came in about the room Mm -hmm. that's the first time that magic has been brought up as an idea to Polly right 
So I, it, it is possible that Diggory is just infatuated with this idea of magic from Uncle Andrew's influence. Or it could be that the magic that exists here is targeted to him. And whether he's more receptive to it because he's more adventuresome or whether he's more receptive to it because he is male, uh -huh. we'll have to wait to see more later in the chapters. But yeah, if I'm going to go on a rant about sexism, it's going to I need more information about what it is that's causing Diggory to be so dumb. Yeah. Other than him being, you know, like eight. Well, we still don't know how old these children yeah, are. They're they're prepubescent, so we're going to put it somewhere before like 12. Why do you say they're prepubescent? Nothing has said that. Uh, the, I I'm mean, they're... This is a complete aside, but I'd say the general like emotional maturity they display, okay. uh, the way they talk, they they don't seem like teenagers. And you know the the this the vague size descriptions that we have. I, I yeah. They could Something crawl like in the attic space and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, so we do this thing in the podcast where we go back and we look at the chapter again with some sentences that we picked out and try to rearrange them and tell a different story using just the words of the chapter itself. Uh, since you started with your uh, sentences that are describing the chapter, would you like me to? Yeah, let's start, start with you here. for your rewritten sentences. So, and and to clarify for this, we, we don't necessarily rearrange the same sentences. But this it's, time I did. It's not required, but it is an option. It was how we started this, but yeah. I I found it too constricting for me personally. Yeah, I'm going to do so it every three chapters now. I selected new sentences for yes. mine. And, and and this one, I'm using the same sentences. And every time and I do You don't do have this, Uncle Andrew in this I one don't. to make the, 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 the I know. Every center time, of your story. Every time I do this, I try to make switch around the genre that it's telling. Mm -hmm. And... This one I was almost trying to go with, well, I'll read them to you and you can decide. We do this solely for the creative challenge of it and kind of as a, so creative to, bring, challenge. to bring a new essence to this chapter. And so this is my five sentence story uh, in order with number one. What a queer place. I can hardly describe the clothes. Shan't we? I'm not so sure. There. I hope you're satisfied now. But it was a different kind of quietness. And you're chuckling at me. I'm chuckling at you because <laughs> I feel like I need to post a video just of your facial expressions <laughs> as you say this. Like, you, you, you flopped your book around when you said... The, the sentence about the clothes. Mm -hmm. I can hardly describe the clothes. Yes. And this was my take at like a comedic scene is what I was trying to rewrite this into because I saw it as like a very disturbing, very kind of emotionally uh, draining chapter. And I was like, I could, uh, let me try to rewrite this into almost something that's comedic. Okay. And, and, and my idea for this scene was, uh, was like drag show. <laughs> okay. What a queer place. Uh-huh. I can hardly describe the clothes. <laughs> yes. There. I hope you're satisfied now. But, yeah, go. that's fine. Okay. Uh -huh. okay. 
So, Go ahead. And... So you're trying to bring humor yes. and joy yes. into this. Uh-huh. All right. I'm not. Um, <laughs> here's, okay. Here are my sentences. I don't believe that I um, repeated any. I did not. These are all new sentences for my um, chapter four rewrite. Yes. I do wish we knew the story that's behind all this, said Diggory. No fear, said Polly. Let's stand still and listen for a bit, suggested Diggory. This time, Polly took the lead. Years afterwards, when he was an old man, Diggory said he had never in all his life known a woman so beautiful. He did a good job with that. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You uh, you changed the roles around in the chapter. Yes. And also made it kind of a little love story. <laughs> I liked it. Uh-huh. It's a little... Uh, again, I'm not someone who's read the books. Uh, I'm not sure if in the future anything happens between Diggory and Polly. I'm assuming not. I mean, they're children at well, this point. I mean, so. I mean, we're talking decades down the line. Decades down the line. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. And this is a prequel. And I don't know if anything happens with them. Uh, I mean, it would be kind of a... If anything did happen at th with them, we wouldn't know it yet with the chronology of the books. Yeah. Uh, I mean... It, as they were actually intended to be read. I, I feel like if, at this point, if Diggory marries anyone, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, jerky move <laughs> to, <laughs> for, for, for him to just be like, yep, never saw a woman more beautiful than that you know, woman I found in that room on that planet. <laughs> so I, I assume if he ever gets a wife, that's that's not that's something that she knows about. But yeah, but knows? I <laughs> mean, at this point, it's kind of like the the challenge that like all adolescent fiction has when there's like something where there's a a chosen one character that they're never gonna be able to to share a life with someone. Uh -huh. Because no one has ever seen what they've seen or been through what they've been through or understood what they do. Uh -huh. Which is, you know, like rants I have about certain series where, you know, one character ends up with the one person who can understand what they experienced. And I'm not okay with it because it's not the person they were supposed to be with. I'm trying not to spoil the Hunger Games. Uh -huh. I was going to say, was that the one where, like, everybody's looking for lunch and they can't find the lunch? Um. <laughs> happened to us today it was almost a disaster yeah well <laughs> not my fault <laughs> so our marital squabbles aside <laughs> um any final thoughts in the chapter before we go ahead and, and rate this bad boy because that's a thing we have to do final thoughts on this chapter i love this place mm -hmm. to me this is a deeply inspirational chapter like, everything about this inspires me and wants to, like, I want to create. Like, I want to make this place a, a backdrop for something. And, yes. like, this to me is, like, just inspiring. Yes. And I know that it's, like, disturbing to you. So I'm actually, like, to me this makes me want to go write, you know, a story or create something I know that it's going to have a different response from you. So, what's your So, what are we rating this thoughts? out of? What are your final thoughts okay. on the chapter? Okay. Don't um, sit here and, like, <sighs> make me talk about it. 
My final thoughts. Alone. Uh, I, I mean, I, I give some of these when I'm when I'm rating it. My final thoughts are, and this is going to factor into my rating decision, is that I feel like it's almost getting a little bit repetitive in the theme. Uh, because we've had three really clear chapters now. We have we've had the wrong door. We've had the web between worlds, and we've had uh, this one, the the bell and the hammer. What was chapter two called? The second chapter is Diggory and his uncle. Yes. Chapter three is the wood between the worlds. This is the bell and the hammer. So thus far in chapter one and three and four, we have the formula for the chapter being Polly and Diggory get together. They explore something. Uh, there's descriptions of what they're exploring. And then something weird happens. Mm-hmm. That's the... And But that, in chapter two... It was Diggory and his uncle yes, in a room. Yes, that's the one that breaks the it up. The uncle telling Diggory things, and then something weird happens. Yes, but then but one, three, and four all follow the same pattern, where they're together, they're exploring, something weird happens, we end on a cliffhanger. Uh-huh. And I feel like this is almost getting a little rote. Like it's, they need to switch up the, the ABC storyline a little bit at this point, Okay. I guess. Uh, and so that's, that it's, I'm not gonna say I'm getting tired of it, but it is getting predictable. Okay. Those are those are my thoughts. But at the same time, did a really good job at world building. Uh, but I'll get to that with my ratings. What are we? What what's our unit of measurement? We can't. There was not a single guinea pig anywhere in this chapter. Oh man, there was nothing alive in yeah, this chapter. So. How about uh, like out of like ten rocks? I was gonna say crown jewels. Ooh, crown jewels. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I think just rocks, maybe <laughs> maybe courtyards, because they find lots of courtyards. Out of courtyards. Sure. Out of courtyards. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. Um, I have yet to rate a chapter in a satisfactory fashion. So go ahead. Um. So I'm gonna just go ahead and throw it out there. I'm gonna say three and a half out of five courtyards. Three and a half out of five. Because okay. I I feel like I did a really good job at world building and at descriptions. And it's setting up a bunch of mysteries. A lower rating than lunch, guy. And, and, because <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do in our lives. We just rate everything that we come into contact with. Well, that's what he does. I just listen. You're a five out of five. Aww. Anyway, uh, did you a really do care. Did a really good job at world building at building mysteries, at, at setting up questions to be answered later in the book. Hopefully some of them are. But at the same time, I feel like it is getting a little repetitive. And the... I don't want to say the the relationship between Diggory and Polly is getting predictable because something interesting happens here and they have a fight for the first time. But their, their interactions are kind of following the same pattern. Don't be a fool. Uh-huh. And then this we, is an opposite. This is a reversal, yeah, though. It is a reversal because you have, you have this moment where, Polly just is enchanted by Uncle Andrew and reaches out and touches, the ring, mm-hmm. and now Diggory is the one under the enchantment and he reaches out and touches hits the, the hammer. Yeah, and hits the bell. No. Yeah. yeah. No, that's definitely a thing. Okay, but um, maybe I'll maybe I'll up it to, to. 3.75 courtyards. Ah. A similar rating to what lunch got. <laughs> yes. Um, but go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I think, I think that uh, 
in terms of dying stars. This is almost a whole one. Why you, you, you gotta change up the rating system that we that you suggested? That I suggested yeah. and you agreed to in your rate. I I feel like you have not fully understood the fact that I have not rated the first chapter at all. Rated the second chapter with a different system than you. Did not rate the third chapter at all. Did you not? I thought you I made you do it. Uh, okay, Diggory. <laughs> I mean. Get your hand out of your pocket. <laughs> no! Insert bell sound. <laughs> anyway, uh, dying stars. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a whole one. You're so frustrating to me. <laughs> okay, so good chapter. We'll we'll see everybody again next week for chapter five. The this the deplorable, deplorable word. word. I was I wanted to say despicable there, but it's the deplorable word. The deplorable word. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> If you'd like to share your ratings on this chapter with Chris, you can do that uh, at Chronically Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram or at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also email us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com if you're bored and feel like emailing a podcast host. In the uh, next episode, we will be discussing chapter five, the deplorable word. Chris, any last words? Um, before i hit this bell don't go through the wrong door yeah i mean it's definitely some good advice bienvenue ah the uh chronically podcast did we have any uh, we know what the word is i bet the word is bud it just says that uh very tall I'm not afraid. You're afraid. You're not afraid. I'm not afraid. You're afraid.